Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way, as an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today hails from the D.C. area. He is one Ryan Walker. Ryan, in a nutshell, lives and breathes to rock. Ryan is a guitarist and lead vocalist for the D.C. area outfit known as the Beanstalk Library, as well as the pianist uh, and keyboardist for songwriter Justin Jones. He also performs with Andy Zipp's band known as the Coward's Choir. I'll drop a few links in the show notes for everybody to learn more about Ryan's creative endeavors and upcoming shows. Ryan has selected Johnny Cash's Unchained, the second album in Johnny Cash's American Recording Series, and his 82nd overall. It was released on November 5th of 1996 by American Recordings. The album received a Grammy for Best Country Album, and Cash was nominated for Best Male Country Vocal Performance for his version of Rusty Cage. Unchained was recorded at several studios, including Studio Academy Mathematique of Philosophical Sound Research in Hollywood, California, Sound City in Van Nuys, California, Oceanway Recording in Hollywood, California, NRG Recording in North Hollywood, as well as Cowboys Arms Hotel and Recording Spa in none other than Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Unchained was recorded by legendary record producer and guru Rick Rubin. David Ferguson served as engineer along with Sylvia Massey, who mixed the record. And assistant engineers included John Ewing Jr., Greg Fiddleman, Eddie Miller, and Michael Stock. Gene Grimaldi and Eddie Shire served as co-masters on this particular recording. Without further ado, Ryan... Thank you so very much for being on the show today. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this record in this type of format. So it's a, really, it's a pleasure to have you. Oh, anytime, Matt. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, let's get settled right into our conversation. What compelled you to choose Unchained? Well, I <clears throat> went, went back and forth through a lot of uh, ideas about what, what album I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, it was not an easy uh, process for me because I have a lot of uh, albums that are meaningful to me, um, but I wanted to pick something that uh, was that that maybe people might not necessarily have heard before or, or been as familiar with as some some of the ones. Um, you know, I'm a you know probably my favorite album of all time is Revolver by the Beatles. I think people are are pretty familiar with that one. Um, so I I kind of thought through some some albums that that maybe were a little less familiar for people, but um, this album means a lot to me, not only musically, but uh, in terms of a lot of the themes and content of it. Um, And uh, it's just always been an important record that I've returned to over the years since I first heard it, uh, which was a lot closer to the time that it was released, but um, it's just been a real important record to me uh, over the, over these years, uh, lyrically and musically. Nice. And Johnny Cash is such a prolific songwriter and, you know, his, 
his catalog is extremely expansive and expansive, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, we're talking with my friend Ryan Walker here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka. And, uh, it's probably obvious for our listeners that, uh, the lead singer and vocalist is Johnny Cash. Uh, but Ryan, can you tell some of our listeners or frankly, all of our listeners who the additional musicians and players are on the record? Sure. Well, uh, essentially, the the uh, Cash's backing band um, on this whole record is uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, and this was during the era when Howie Epstein was their bassist, um, and uh, uh, Steve Ferrone had had joined the band as a drummer. Um, so I'm trying to think. This is probably around the same time as like Wildflowers and some of those records that came came right after that. Yeah, the Walls um, soundtrack she, I think fits in there too. She's the one soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she's the one. Uh, there are a couple of other guests on it um, that pop up. Lindsey Buckingham and Mick Fleetwood uh-huh. um, are on um, a Sea of Heartbreak, and um, uh, and then actually uh, Marty Stewart plays. Uh, various instruments on a whole bunch of the songs as well. And then uh, the other thing that's really interesting to me is that Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers plays bass on uh, the song Spiritual. And what's always been really interesting to me about that is, you know, it's just these big like root notes, like whole notes, you know, Um, it, it, I'm not quite sure why they needed Flea for that but (laughs) um because he's really known for these really like um inventive and of course like very busy like you know complex parts um but uh you know nonetheless it's it's uh it's cool that he kind of kind of pops up on a tune there yeah he must have been in the neighborhood or something like that when they were at ocean way recording in hollywood or he must have been off off tour with the blue peppers i do feel like a few of these guests seem a little bit uh, under, uh, I guess I would say underused or, or just kind of like, yeah, they're, 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 they're some big names whose parts on here are not, uh, that prominent, I guess. Um, you know, or, or they're kind of doing things that don't seem very much like their normal style, but, uh, but, but Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, they just, rip on every track and uh and you can hear petty singing uh, harmony on a few of the songs as well ryan can you describe for our listeners uh where you were when you first heard this collection of songs yeah yeah um i was not really a country music fan growing up i really am now but uh growing up um you know artists like johnny cash just i, I was aware of who that was but it just sort of seemed like maybe something my grandparents would be into or whatever mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, and, and, and to be fair, Cash was in a real, uh, low point in his career, uh, during that time, uh, mostly like in the eighties when I was, you know, early nineties, I guess when I was growing up and, um, and so I didn't really hear this record immediately. I didn't hear these, uh, the first couple of these American recordings I did not hear <clears throat> when they were released, um, even though I was a huge Tom Petty fan, um, but I, 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 I really wasn't aware of this record at the time. Um, and then when I was in college, um, you know, that was right when Napster was, uh, really coming out for the first time. So everyone can kind of do the math on that. But, um, I remember just downloading like all this stuff that I maybe would not have ever thought to purchase at a store. 
And um, one of the one of the sort of like offhand things I remember downloading and getting into was the song Ring of Fire um, by Johnny Cash. And it's got that great horn section on it. And I was like, this is killer. And um, that was when I first kind of really started to get into Cash and then Willie Nelson and then some of that some of that early, you know, you know, classic country stuff. And I really started to get more into that in college. And then I would say it was about 1999. Um, I was on a sort of a church related trip, um, to Moscow, to Russia, um, to Moscow and also to some, uh, more rural areas, um, uh, where we were kind of doing some, some, uh, we were kind of helping some people there, uh, build a, um, build sort of a camp, um, sort of a retreat kind of area, um, doing some kind of a humanitarian sort of work. And my, a really good friend of mine, uh, whose name is Matt was uh on this trip with me and uh he happened to have this this album uh with him and um so we we had both brought like a bunch of our CDs on this trip cuz that was still kind of when you know you would play CDs in a disc man if if you wanted to hear uh music on headphones and you had to keep that disc man and... really steady <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did yeah. yeah yeah they came out with those ones that were supposed to be more like didn't matter but I and I, I think it yeah, they didn't really ever work that way. But um, so we would just sort of be like, oh, listen to this CD. And we'd be kind of trading CDs back and forth. And, um, you know, at, at night when we were kind of just like uh, sitting around and um, and yeah, this was one of the albums he had. And I I um, I mean, I just fell for it so hard. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I bought my own copy, you know, as soon as I got home. And yeah. Um, and got that that first that first one because this is sort of the second of that series he did with Rick Rubin, and then I followed these albums basically to the end. Um, I think um, maybe one of the volumes was was issued uh, after he passed away, and um, then there was a actually a box set. I think it was like three discs of like more stuff from these sessions that had never got put on any album. So there's a bunch of material. Uh, to get into from this period. Um, and I just, I just kept up with it, you know, for the rest of the time that it, that it was happening, you know, American three, American four. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this one, this one is really American two, even though that's not the way it's credited on the, on the album. But um, I just, I really fell hard for this, this, this one. I, I, I you know, I, I love the fact that, unlike the rest of the series this is the only one that really has like a just a full band rock country rock like sound um the other uh volumes are either just cash acoustic or there's there are some guests on them doing backup vocals or some some you know minor kind of like things but this this is the only one that just really has like a full band sound on it and it sounds like a real Um, appreciation and respect from a from a musicianship point of view by all members mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah yeah um and you know what i what i love about it too is that it's interesting i mean i, I think that these american recordings are albums are really well regarded um obviously and it was a i mean it really was a huge career resurgence for cash um right before he passed away um the, you know, but I have I have also heard people talk about how they kind of, you know, there's 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 become this sort of a uh, little bit of a contrarian um, 
point of view on these albums, which is that they get a little bit, um, some people might argue, like um, exploitative of kind of how frail he was. Hmm. And um, there's almost just like this voyeuristic thing of like this guy who's so sick and frail. And these recordings kind of, you know, almost like kind of taking advantage of that for their mystique or their appeal. Um, I don't necessarily share that opinion, but I think it's kind of like an interesting take. But this album, forget it. I mean, he sounds vital. He sounds energetic um th- these songs just rip and i so I, I just think this you know he's still very much um uh in 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 you know top form as as a singer and player and and, and these arrangements are just so energetic with with the heartbreakers and i i just uh i don't know it's like i i think this is kind of the way i want to remember him yeah you know? hungry to create hungry to collaborate with with music with yeah. musicians that really just dig into the lyrics and just give, give them, you know, in some cases, some different breadth and depth, if you will. Yep. Yep. For sure. We're talking with my friend Ryan Walker here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about Johnny Cash's Unchained, (laughs) which is uh, the second record in this entire collection. Um, Ryan, is, is the second collection you think vastly different from the first, or do you think that, you know, with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as the backing band, along with, you know, contributions from, um, Lindsey Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood and Marty Stewart, do you think this is, you know, perhaps a, a continuum of a sound that they've, you know, that they built upon from that first effort together? Yeah, well, well, it, it is similar to the other records in the sense that, um, uh, that, you know, that there are a lot of interesting choices made in terms of cover songs. He was covering and in many cases collaborating with artists who were current at the time. I mean, he, he covers a Beck song, a Soundgarden song on this record. Um, and, 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 and that was kind of a, a part of the, uh, part of the deal, you know, with all these records um, as well as sometimes re-recording um, his his earlier um, material uh, in this sort of like newer setting. Um, and in terms of the covers, I mean, the, probably one the most famous example is his his cover of uh, "Hurt" by Nine Inch Nails, which I yeah. think is on the third volume. Yeah. Um, that that was like a huge hit for for him. Um, but th- this record has a lot of that same stuff. Just. But I think in terms of it being the only one with that full band uh, sound, you know, that there 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 are some of the other artists that he covers that will sometimes join him on the other records and sing duets or play kind of in some cases kind of spare, you know, you know, parts. But, you know, this is this one definitely stands out for the fact that it's the only one that has that full band rock sound. Definitely. So this feels like a good segue into what you know to ask the question what are your favorite tracks on this album you've alluded to a, a cover of a beck song and i believe that's called rowboat so what are, rowboat, yeah, what are yep. what are your favorites what are your favorites in, in total um well it's funny like matt my friend matt who introduced me to this album like we, he's also a singer and we used to play together a lot um he doesn't live near me anymore but uh, we would do coffee houses open mics and stuff when we were pretty pretty young and just starting to play and we we 
I've I've covered either with him or or by myself uh, a handful of these songs. Um, but I think uh, yeah, my favorites. Um, I, I really I really gravitate towards some of the stuff on the back half of the album. Um, there there's a, a great Carter family tune called the Kneeling Drunkard's Plea. Um, his version of, uh, in fact, his version of uh, Petty's song "Southern Accents" is on oh, here, that's beautiful. and that's just a beautiful yeah. cover of that song. Yeah. Um, there's an original uh, Cash tune called "Meet Me in Heaven," which is just, you know, he's he's really on all these records. He's really grappling with, you know, the fact that he's at the end of his life and mm-hmm. <clears throat> or, or 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 near to it, and. Um, it's it's really interesting. I was when I was going back through listening to this to prepare for this, I realized like I mean he was only like in his mid sixties when he made this record. So I mean he wasn't any older than a lot of artists or that are still making you know records and and, and uh, you know Springsteen and guys like that. Um, and he wasn't really very old when he passed away. He was seventy one, which in this day and age is just really not that old. Um, <clears throat> But you know, nonetheless, he was kind of really grappling with um, his 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 mortality and, and being you know getting toward the end of his life and, and being you know he really was unable to perform live or tour by this point. Um, so there there are just a few uh, tunes on here um, that are kind of in the vein of like that that Bob Dylan album um, "Time Out of Mind," which was sort of his. Mm-hmm grappling with mortality record which is that album's over 20 years old now so that's kind of funny to think about but that i think that album really kind of spawned this uh this kind of um well you you started to see a lot of older artists uh, feeling more comfortable after that i think just uh dealing with those themes on their records and being comfortable with that not not trying to need to sound like they're younger than they are dealing with you know subjects that are important to them yeah. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of spirituality and 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 like I said, just kind of um, grappling with with being being near the end. And he was certainly at the end of his career as, as in terms of being able to perform and tour. So, uh, and I think "Meet Me in Heaven" is just really my favorite example of that. Although there are a lot of just super killer, just like rocking, uh, ripping songs on this record. Um, I've been everywhere is a song that uh, was originally by Hank Snow that people may know from those choice hotel. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. There are some songs on here where it's on and the speed with which he delivers the lyrics. Um, it almost sounds like Eminem or something. I mean, um, speaking of him just really still sounding energetic and vital on this right. record, there's some really rocking stuff where his vocal delivery is just, uh, really impressive and um you know um i've been everywhere is a great great example of that so i guess those are a few that kind of pop out to me the, the his version of rusty cage is really cool yeah, to chris hear. cornell song from Sound Sound Garden, yeah mm-hmm. um and i and i ran across an interesting fact uh when i was kind of looking through some info about this record he actually apparently, uh, according to the Wikipedia page, recorded a version of Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. Really? Uh, <clears throat> during these sessions that is not on the record or is it on that um, that box set that came out with all the outtakes. So uh, I'll have to hunt around and see if that's around somewhere, but I'd really be interested to kind of hear what that... I'd love to hear that version, uh, too. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
We're talking with my friend Ryan Walker here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkin. Ryan, if you wouldn't mind if we just backtracked for just a second, I thought it was really interesting that uh, you brought up Meet Me in Heaven in the context of Bob Dylan's Time Out of Mind. I was thinking of a couple of tracks that are really nice companions to Meet Me in Heaven on Time Out of Mind, uh, specifically Not Dark Yet and uh, Trying to Get to Heaven. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it just started to be something that you started to hear artists getting more comfortable with. But I think that that, that Dylan album um, was was definitely the first time I remember an artist of that age, you know, putting out something that was so critically acclaimed. I mean, that was a big career resurgence for Dylan as well when that album came Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he wound up winning like five or six Grammys or something like that for that yeah, yeah that yeah. effort, which is, gosh, yeah, 20 plus years ago, which is just, yeah, it's incredible how time flies. Uh, yeah, sure. y- you mentioned yeah. Uh, Southern Accents as well, uh, him, him covering Tom Petty, and it just, the authority in Johnny Cash's voice it just you know the one sort of thing that that jumped out for me is it seems like he's he's completely ripped away the songwriter from the song if you know what i'm saying right you know yeah and and, and yeah. ben mont i think i don't know if ben mont's playing his his farfisa organ on this or if he's but that really blossomed and shined during this recording too in my opinion yeah yeah it's it's um it's such an an inspired matchup of 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 cash and, and this band. And it, it's sort of hard to believe it didn't happen more often. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head of any other uh, instance where they made a record together or recorded together, but um, I'm a huge, 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 huge Tom Petty fan. And, um, you know, I just love hearing those guys uh, on this record and Southern accents is uh, such a beautiful song. And, and like you said, um, Cash just makes these songs his own. I mean, he he covers uh, "I Won't Back Down" as well on the third volume, and yeah, he he really, I mean, and like we talked about the Nine Inch Nails tune that he had a big hit with. You know, he he and he and Rick Rubin did an excellent job of kind of <clears throat> selecting the material and really making it his own. I think. Absolutely, I believe. Uh- this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but I was uh, I was listening to something recently, and I think he also collaborated with Cheryl Crow, and that music has recently seen the light of day too. Uh, yeah. Cash, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I think she pops up on one of the other volumes. Maybe. Okay, yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. So we're talking with my friend Ryan Walker here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tark, and um, uh, my next question, Ryan, is how do these songs continue to inspire you? Well, that's a great question. I, um, I, you know, I, I, I think that, um, I mean, Cash is one of about maybe two or three artists um, who I just consider a he- heroes. I mean, in, in every in every way, um, he didn't have the prettiest life. Uh, he he had a lot of uh, hardship, and some of it was. Uh, brought on himself by himself and some of it not, but, um, the way that I think that he kind of approached, um, his faith and, um, you know, the way that, that, that informed his life and the way he kind of, I guess the entire trajectory of his life, even during points in his life where his behavior was maybe different than what, uh, you know, we might expect from, uh, 
you know, a person who was who was a, a lot of times really recording this very overtly devotional music and 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 sort of you know Christian theme music. Um, and I, I, as a person who uh, grew up in that tradition and was around a lot of music that uh, was not so inspiring to me, I'll, I'll say that. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, there's such a, a world of, um, manufactured, you know, sort of quote unquote Christian music, um, and, and more recently sort of this quote unquote worship music that's, that's really just kind of commodifying, uh, this, I guess, sort of sub subset of music and and uh people who are who are buying this music um i uh really respond to the idea that you know when you hear a record like this you're just hearing a guy even on the songs that are very overtly uh, spiritual you know in nature you're just hearing a guy who's singing about you know, something that's important to him. And it's very, it's coming from a very authentic place. And, uh, you know, nobody at his label was telling him, Hey, you gotta like say the word Jesus more or whatever. These are just themes that naturally occur on these records because of who he is authentically and where he was in his life. But you've also got songs on here that are sort of like classic love songs and you know and you've got songs on here like uh that are that just you know like mean-eyed cat is a is a great like ripping song and it's hilarious and it's and it's and it's you know and it's pretty um you know it's just kind of talking about people and and themes that are kind of definitely more uh, you know on the rougher side of things and uh, but I love that all that stuff coexists um, in the same place together on this record. I mean, it's I, I love that all that coexists in his body of work and in him, and it's all here on this record. Um, I used to joke with my with my friend Matt, who introduced me to this record. You know, I, you know, if you're you know if you're on your deathbed and this album is closer to you than a Bible, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> Ryan, we live in a universe, we, we both, you know, probably grapple with this at, at times where, you know, music can easily be quickly accessed in the palm of our hand or just with a click of a few buttons, you can, you know, pick out, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to listen to, whatever you want to learn. Uh, you know, even in the 21st century, artwork remains a cornerstone with each single that, you know, gets put out there on the web or in some sort of physical media or that physical vinyl record or CD. What is conjured up in your mind when you look at this album cover for Unchained? Yeah. um, And I haven't had the CD in my hand in quite a while, I don't think. But um, I I do remember looking through the book a lot and kind of reading who all was involved with different songs and stuff. But, you know, the cover of this album, people should check it out. It's, um, you know, the first of all, the way that his name was um was iconographized yeah that's a word um for this whole series 
just those big four block letters, C-A-S-H. It's, a, it's sort of a, a font and a logo that I've got a T-shirt of it. I mean, it's pretty familiar. And that's the way his, <clears throat> his name looked on all the albums, on all these albums. Um, I don't think the titles are even on any of the albums for the most part. It's just, it's just usually that C-A-S-H and then, um, and then, and then some sort of picture of him. And first of all, the idea that you can just put cash and no one has any, uh, confusion about who that is, is, is just badass, you know, it's authoritative. Um, It's, he is, there's only one man in black, you know, (laughs) there is. Yeah. And, you know, and most of the covers of these albums do have very dark images on the front. I mean, the, the lighting is very dark. Along with what we were saying about the sound of this album, it's interesting to me how the, how light the, the photo is on the front of this album. I mean, he's outdoors. He's standing up. He's got mm-hmm. his arms folded. He's just looking like, you know, there's a guitar kind of leaning next to him, but he looks like he's up against kind of a barn or something. And it's a black and white photo, but it's really yeah. and well he lit. Also has a, yeah. And again, in contrast with the other records that have very darkly lit photos on the front, I just think this really reflects the the way that this record sounds so much different as well. Yeah, I love I love what the cover looks like. It's it's great. Absolutely. Ryan, it, man, it's been such a pleasure to hang today. Thank you so very much for yeah, sure being on the program yeah, and you. sharing, you know, this music, you know, by Johnny Cash. It's, you know, it, it sounds like it's impacted the course of your life and probably your career in music. Is that a fair thing to say? I don't see how it couldn't <laughs> have. <laughs> I've listened to it so much and just really his the whole way he lived his life um, and the example he set as an artist and a person has been so influential to me. Um, my friend Matt and I always said we were going to try to just go visit him and that, that never uh, turned out to be, but um, yeah, he's uh he's one of the greats. Awesome. Never be anybody yes, like him, you know? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much to Ryan Walker for taking some time to uh, stop by the show today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, any of those four is where you can find this particular podcast. Take a moment to tell a friend or family about our show and feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia, and we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.